Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Innalhamdulillah Nahmaduhu Wa nasta'inuhu Wa nasta'akhiru Wa na'udhu billah Min syurubi anfusina Wa min sayyati amalina Faman yahdillah Fahuwa al-muhtad Waman yudlilhu Falahadiya lah ونحمد الله على نعمة الإسلام دين إبراهيم دينا قيما حنيفا اللهم إن حق إن حياتي ومسعايا ومماتي لله رب العالمين وأنا أول المسلمين أنت صاحب النعم لا إله إلا أنت الرحمن الرحيم ونصلي ونسلم ونبارك على الحبيب المصطفى المرسل رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وأصحابه وعلى من اتبعوا بإحسان إلى يوم الدين We start in the name of Allah, the most merciful, the most compassionate, the most gracious, the Lord of the heavens and the earth, the bestower of time and space and meaning. Acknowledging our gratitude for the gift of life and our responsibility for what we do with this life. And testifying, and testifying to the truth of judgment and the inevitability of accountability and peace and blessings upon the Prophet Muhammad and all the prophets of Adam and Ibrahim until the end of days. Subhanallah Ali Al-Azim. Last week, as you know, I was forced to cancel the khutbah. In one week's time, Allah has bestowed a gift. And like everything that in life you are dealt, you must see it as both a challenge and a blessing. And that gift was that in one week I lost my hearing. Not to be dramatic because whether it's reversible or not, we don't know. 
doctors don't really know the reason for a sudden loss of hearing in most cases. And they have nothing more civilized than cortisone shots to attempt to bring back life into the fine mechanisms that Allah has created that creates the miraculous reality of perceiving sound and absorbing sound. It is a truly miraculous organ the way that these very fine particular hairs move to interpret waves to produce within your brain a comprehension of sound and meaning. So miraculous that the very idea that they have been created by some type of coincidence, like everything else, our eyes are mouth, our tongue, as Allah consistently reminds us in the Quran that if we really reflect upon ourselves, we will see that everything that we enjoy, the, even the most minor coordination, the most simple thought, the way that we interpret every desire is proof, an indication a clear indication to the divine. But that's the nature of human beings is that we often don't reflect upon things until we lose them and we miss them. You take, we take, and I take, because I before any of you, would take blessings for granted. The fact that when you feel something, you wish to say it, your tongue moves. You look at something, you see it, you perceive it, you interpret it. You hear things, your brain interprets it. Things that we engage in millions of times every day in our lives. But we never really pause to think at the miraculousness, the sheer magnitude and majesty and beauty of the act. We can perceive, we can talk, we can hear, we can think, we can analyze, we can taste. Every instant of the day and yet experience doubt about how much we owe God and whether there is a God and whether in fact this God cares or is involved. Even the simplest animal that we encounter in life, the way that animal sees and hears and tastes is a message to us. a message of the miraculous, the magnanimous, 
the majestic, the subliminal. It seems obscene to take God out of our lives to enjoy, to indulge every moment of the day, and yet go on with existence as if we owe nothing. There is no debt to pay, and that we are not intimately and interconnectedly an extension of the divine. Hearing, seeing, thinking, tasting are all divine marvels. They're divine marvels. When you see, you are part of the divine marvel. When you hear, you are part of the divine marvel. When you speak, you are part of the divine marvel. The question is, how do you get, navigate this marvel? Do you navigate it towards a fulfillment of the divine? Or do you navigate it towards a fulfillment of the anti-divine, the ungodly, the demonic, the apathetic? Do you navigate it towards the light or do you navigate it towards the absence of light? Things are not more complicated than that. We human beings are masters, masters of diversion. We divert our attention from what really matters with a million tricks so that we do not have to pause and reflect very deeply upon the constant marvels of divinity that we are intimately, intimately involved in. Suddenly, your hearing stops. Suddenly, the world goes silent. You start noticing what has been taken away from your life whether Allah restores it or not, that's something up to Allah. And I leave it up to Allah, I do what I can. But the results are always in God's hands. You don't hear a rooster at dawn. You don't hear the birds. In my case, suddenly all the concertos and sonatas 
piano and violin and cello that you dreamt of or thought of or took for granted, listening to time and again, goes silent. Suddenly it strikes you that you miss the sound of the adhan. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashadu anna la ilaha illallah. Ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. How many times I would be working and the adhan would go off on my computer and I am busy, so I would turn it off. And suddenly it strikes you, what if the rest of life, there is no more adhan? How many times I had an opportunity to listen to the Quran beautifully recited by over a 30 of my favorite Quran reciters in their different maqamat, in their different stages of voices and methods of recitation. And the thought strikes you, what if I spend the rest of my life and the only voice I will hear is my own reciting the Quran? And you cannot resist the inescapable thought What if my hearing comes back? Shall I be, will I be more attentive to the adhan? Will I appreciate it more? Will I be more attentive and more involved in listening to the Quran? Will I give it priority? Or will my old habits and old weaknesses return? And I will once again take it for granted. And once again, prefer something else over what I truly miss when the time has come. Suddenly it strikes you that you will not hear your children and you do not hear your children say Baba. And you miss that word so much that simple call Baba and you tell yourself what if only Allah would give me the gift of hearing Baba called hearing children my children want me if Allah gives me my hearing back will I truly be a more attentive father a more sensitive father or your name being called by your wife. All the times that she has called your name and you were busy or distracted and it irritated you. And you'd wish that you would just be left alone so you can finish what you do. Will I be a better husband if my hearing comes back? And if you sit with Allah in a moment of truth, 
and you know that your base self, the part of you that is thoroughly human, is willing to promise Allah the world and the universe if only Allah would give you back what Allah has taken. Yes, I will be a better father. Yes, I will be a better husband. Yes, I will be a better Muslim, a better human being. But at the same time, you know that you are both a liar and a hypocrite because you're weak and because you know that you will not uphold your promises and you will ultimately breach whatever longings you have expressed at the time of your need. A wise person, a wise person doesn't need to lose to wake up doesn't need to experience loss to reflect upon their relationship with Allah and the supernal and the sublime and the most beautiful, the anchor of meaning. Doesn't need to wait before they truly experience it and feel it. That's the wise person. But most of us are not wise, including myself. Most of us are good at diversion and distraction and experience distraction and practice distraction until it becomes a fine art an art that makes us exist in a state of oblivion until the end comes. Many people, when they are struck by a challenge, and every challenge is a blessing, because every blessing is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to ponder, to think, to reflect, to reform, to change, to grow. The first question they ask is, why God? Why? It's a silly question. Instead of the why, reflect upon the opportunity to think of the ways that you might have failed yourself and that that loss is a moment to grow before your time runs up and you truly have no more opportunities to work with. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Gratitude is to Allah. I truly express it. Asking Allah to give me the strength of consistency and to steer me away from hypocrisy because 
your own hubris tells you you are strong enough to withstand anything. But your sincerity reminds you that there are losses that you truly cannot bear. And you are grateful that Allah stands by you as you persevere through any challenge and any loss with the sincere supplication, Allah, help me grow from it. Allah, help me reach a higher state towards your most sublime and most perfect divinity because there is no other guide and there is no other anchor in existence but you. أقول قولي هذا واستغفر الله لي ولكم سأل الله يستجب لكم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والحمد لله رب العالمين وسبحان الله سبحان الله التي لا تقال إلا له والله أكبر اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه يا رب العالمين We are in a constant state of grace and blessings نعم And it is rather vulgar, leave alone impolite, maybe even bad manners, to the point that I feel embarrassed, that we are not often cognizant of the blessings until something is sharply and drastically taken away from us. I'll tell you, other than issues of physical pain, which is just part of the growing process as well, my confronting the hypocritical self, the hypocrisies of your own self, your own failures as a human being, The, the only if I had more, I would have given more. Is only underscored when I go beyond the self and I think of my fellow brethren, my ikhwan, my brethren and my sisters. Last khutbah, last Jum'ah, I was getting ready to speak about something that as Muslims, we cannot fail to speak about. I was getting ready to speak about the massacre that took place in Germany 
when a man shot a number of people sitting in a hookah bar in Germany, that man wrote a 25-page manifesto before he shot the Muslims sitting at the cafe in Germany. And of course, Muslims, because they are in a, they remain in a compromised state with their God, and because of the habits of powerlessness, will not rush to read the manifesto and understand why acts of violence like this take place and the way that they connect to the world that they live in. The manifesto is deeply racist. It's a manifesto that could have very well been written at the end of the 19th century and beginning of the 20th century about superior races and inferior races. What is more dangerous is that this man reflects a growing phenomena in the Western world of the re-emergence of racist ideology that sees humanity as fundamentally unequal. According to this man, the world could not and shall not be a good place to live unless certain races are exterminated. Importantly, critically, the way this man talks about Islam, he talks about Islam as a race, not a religion. And according to him, the world must rid itself of the Islamic race. Turks, Egyptians, Iraqis, Afghanis, every Muslim that you could imagine must be exterminated from the face of the earth. The man is also very deeply anti-Semitic. He doesn't like Jews, and he wants Jews exterminated, but this is the nature of the game. All these pro-Israel Islamophobes that preach hate, whether they realize it or not, they are poking the same hornet's nest from which anti-Semitism and the Holocaust emerged. The same racist ideology that seeks to exterminate and dominate Muslims will not create exceptions for Hindus in India, for Jews in Israel, for every other race that is considered naturally inferior to the white race.
And as is typical of these types of events, the man decides to engage in this massacre as a symbolic act to wake up his fellow whites to the necessity and the imperative of cleansing violence so that will whites will wake up and rid themselves of the inferior races amongst them. What is deeply troubling is, of course, the criminal act is committed. He writes his manifesto. He even has a videotape in English, a message to Americans because he's pro-Trump. And he urges Trump to lead the war against Muslims and exterminate Muslims. And that video is in English. The manifesto is in German. My German is not good, so I read it translated. But yet, it has just been a week. Eight people have been killed. And it's already old news. You and I know that if this man was Muslim, you and I know that we would be reading articles and books about Islamic radicalism and Islamic violence and the Quran and this and that. It's been just a week and it's already been assigned as a common crime, a just deranged man. Even Trump didn't bother condemning the act. That same Trump who has Muslims like those in Zaytuna who support him and work with his administration who creates a commission for, to, to re-examine human rights doesn't bother condemning a terrorist act as a terrorist act because it, the victims are Muslims. Racism is a monster. Racism is more lethal in modern history than any social disease that we human beings have experienced. Racism is responsible for genocides, holocausts, colonialism, unfettered imperialism. And Muslims should be the ones at the forefront fighting the war against racism. But they're not. A racist attack occurs. A clearly Islamophobic attack occurs. A clearly terrorist attack occurs. No one talks about the Western philosophies responsible for yet another terrorist attack. No one puts Daniel Pipes and Charles Spencer or Robert Spencer and company on the block of accountability and scrutiny and they get off scot-free. Why? I'll tell you. 
Because at this point, who do you think says the most Islamophobic things in the world we live in? It is no longer just the Christian evangelist and the right-wing Zionists. The most Islamophobic things are believed and repeated and acted upon by Muslims themselves. Muslims only believe in violence and their entire theology and philosophy is about warfare. Who said that? Robert Spencer, yes. Daniel Pipes, yes. But also Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, president of Egypt, publicly, in front of Sheikh al-Azhar. It is repeated by so-called the educated class in Saudi and Emirat and Egypt all across the Muslim world. It has become an article of faith that Islam is defective and that we Muslims have something to be ashamed of. And those of us who should know better are in one of two situations. People like Salman al-Oda, who would know better, is in prison. A man who is capable of responding to these Islamophobic convictions is in prison two hours of this very day. Yusuf al-Qaradawi, Sheikh Yusuf al-Qaradawi, who I disagree with on a lot of things, but could respond to these Islamophobic prejudices and racist stands is isolated and muted. And even to top things, make even things worse, Saudi and Emirati papers launch attack against his honor, even his, his, his sexual honor, People like Tariq Sudan of Kuwait. I just saw a whole program on Al Arabiya channel. It wasn't properly captioned, so I couldn't understand everything you're saying. But it, what I, I, it was enough that I understood that they were demonizing and vilifying a scholar like Tariq Sudan. A whole channel on a whole Saudi Arabian, thoroughly Islamophobic in everything that I understood from it. Tariq Sudan is an Islamist, wants to take over the world, wants to institute the theological, theocratic rule of the Khilafah. Thoroughly Islamophobic paradigms, but even more gracious paradigms. When you have someone, and I will bring him up again and again and again, a young kid, an impressive intellect like Ahmad Sabir, who learns Aramaic and Hebrew and engages in comparative religious discourse, he's still in prison. 
When you have someone like Abdullah Rushdie, who someone I disagree with quite a bit. Why? Because Abdullah Rushdie did not stand up to the military coup that overthrew an elected government, which I think is a sinful act. But yet, Abdullah Rushdie is banned from giving khutbahs, is banned from leading prayers, is now facing criminal charges. Why? What's Abdullah Rushdie's crime, who's an Azhari sheikh? What's his crime? Is that he said that according to the Quran, you have to be a Muslim to go to Jannah. Whether you agree or disagree with him, that's not the point. The point is that, that is his perspective, his point of view. And because he dared say that this is his point of view, he's facing criminal charges. The hypocrisy of the world that we live in is that the same people who spoke about how Islam cannot understand the principles of the First Amendment and free speech, when Nasr Abu Zaid was criminally prosecuted for his anti-Islamic discourses in Egypt, are completely silent now that someone like Abdullah Rushdie is facing prosecution, someone like Salman and Oda, for the, 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 the object to him being imprisoned, but they do not turn it into a matter of free speech. Or that Ahmed Sabir, nothing. Absolutely, the same people that were talking about how Muslims are so culturally and civilizationally defective because they cannot understand the principles of First Amendment and free speech. When Tara Abu Zaid was prosecuted for anti-Islamic positions and when the satanic verses were going on are now completely silent. When the, those being prosecuted are not even Islamists, but people who defend an Islamic perspective or a Muslim perspective. At the same time that Ahmed Sabir is in prison and Abdullah Rushdie is facing prosecution in a country like Egypt, that Palestinians are, are, are thrown in prison in Saudi, that the Emirat imprisons every single Muslim thinker who doesn't see Islam the way Ben Zayed sees it. At the same time that Trump can witness a racist attack and not even bother condemning it. And it's not even an issue that plagues the presidential debates. No, can you imagine if these were Jewish victims? Can you imagine if this was a Muslim who attacked a synagogue in Germany? Can you imagine all the presidential candidates, how they would be falling over each other to say, we thoroughly condemn this? Why? Brothers and sisters, life is in the hands of Allah. But I feel 
Wallahu alam. That I am running out of time. And I feel that my journey in this life has been one in which I've called and called and called. And those who responded to the call has been, have been few. These are moral issues that are, will plague our children for generations to come. For every wealthy human being, and especially those with wealth, because we read the Quran and see how much the Quran emphasizes those who believe, who pray, and who spend of their wealth. Three. If you take one of them out, it doesn't work. Those who have the wealth should find the most competent intellects and support them and fund them so we can create a momentum against racism, against Islamophobia, against unjust imprisonments and torture and denial of due process. In other words, so we can become a force against the abuses of power and injustice and oppression. But as long as Muslims sit on their cachets and largesse, only having their rear ends grow, and their fats increase, but not take responsibility for the world they live in, then alhamdulillah that I am death. Because there's very little in this world other than the Quran and the Adhan and classical music that I really want to hear. Ya Rabbi, even if you take my hearing, hear my words. Ya Rabb, liberate the oppressed, liberate Muslim scholars like Salman al-Oda and young kids like Ahmed Sabir. Ya Rabb, give some semblance of wisdom and humanity so that though we don't live in layers of hypocrisy day in and day out, and so that we don't teach that hypocrisy to our children so that they can grow up to respect us, so they can look up to us, so they can be grateful to us, because nothing kills the soul of a child than to believe that their parent is a hypocrite. Allahumma afu'anna. Allahumma khfir lana. Allahumma arhamna. Allahumma ahdina li akraba min hadha rashada ya ali ya azim. Ya Rabb. Allah forgive our sins. Guide us towards your mercy, justice, and beauty. Guide us to be grateful and wise and sagacious. Guide us, the, grant us the guidance to be able to stand against oppression, injustice, and racism. Because we know 
that these evils do not please you and that they are thoroughly demonic.